but the real purpose of it all is to get people more interested and supportive of that. Hi, welcome to our special Halloween edition of Nature Magic. Today I'm talking to the inspirational Susan Kerwin. Susan is a wildlife rehabilitator based in County Limerick with a special focus on bats. She's founder of Bat Rehabilitation Ireland and has just opened a fully dedicated bat hospital in her back garden. Hi Susan, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you for having me on today Mary. Oh, you're very welcome. So I'm really excited to have Susan on the podcast. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about where you're from and what you're doing, which is so exciting and appropriate for Halloween? Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm from Limerick City, but I live in County Limerick and I'm a wildlife rehabilitator and I'm focused on bats. And um, I've just opened the first fully dedicated bat hospital here in County Limerick. So it's been, um, it's been very busy over the last year. Uh, where the hospital itself has just opened the last, about a month. But over the last year, I, um, I joined together with uh, Wildlife Rehabilitation Ireland. Um, and they put my name up on their page as a licensed bat rehabilitator. And from there, it just, a flood of bats came to me. Wow, so, that, that's so amazing. And you've been on national TV and everything. That's how I heard of you. So uh, your story is just phenomenal, really. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about the background to looking after the bats? And then I'm going to ask you all about the bat hospital. Okay. So um, back when, in, when I was 27, 2007, 2008, I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. And um, I had to have a radical hysterectomy. And after that, then I had to have 30, um, 30 sessions of radiation. And I, it was such a, a whirlwind of a time. I, I am a mother of two. So thank God I have my, my two boys. I'm very lucky. And they were quite young at the time. And it was, it was, it was a very frightening time. It was a very frightening time because mm-hmm. I think anybody that's gone through cancer knows that how emotional it is. Um, you try to hide your emotions and you try to focus on the positive and you try to be strong for everybody. But mm-hmm. you do find that there's very personal moments where you find a loved one is just looking at you in the middle of you know a normal day and then you catch them or you're doing the same thing. And it's always, people don't want to talk about it, but it's just, not knowing what's going to happen and you know what you're going to do so yeah very very tough I mean just giving me shivers really um very a, a very very tough journey yeah it's a tough journey but you know I suppose look I feel blessed that and I, I'm sure there's plenty of parents out there that were in my situation and I feel blessed every day that it was me and not one of my children mm. because as a parent we're strong for them but it's mm. very hard to be strong when you're watching them so I in that respect, I feel very blessed every day. But I suppose having to having to get on with everyday life and in my life and for my whole life since I was a tiny child, anybody that knows me knows that I've just been obsessed with nature and wildlife. Mm-hmm. And it's always been my escape. I love it. I, it, just, I, it just heals my soul, just being out in the wilds or just, you know, 
spending mm-hmm. time in. So I started during that time um, to suffer with insomnia and I couldn't sleep and the night time was kind of my time. Um, and I would find myself sitting outside at night watching the bats just have a cup of tea and I would just start to focus on them and then I looked forward to it every evening I thought okay once the dark time came it was my time I would go out and I decided that maybe me then I wanted to know more so I wanted to I got a bat detector and I wanted to see what species were around my house and then I wanted to put up bat boxes and (laughs) it where I was so excited each night because what would I find and my love of of bats came from then um it helped me so much to have that time where I just wasn't anybody's mother and I just wasn't anybody's daughter and it was I'm I was just out there and it was all about them it was all mm-hmm. about what I was doing so it just gave me that passion to want to help them because it got me so through such an extremely hard time so what I as I started to get better and I was my health was starting to get better I got more involved in wildlife rehabilitation I've been a falconer for the last almost 20 years um so I was always you know taking in raptors and other animals but I became more fascinated with bats so I started that my focus but over the years I've had lots of people as you know like when you're known for for a person that helps wildlife they just seem to come to you people friend comes to you and I found this bird and the more people that got to know that I was rehabilitating bats the more they were coming to me so I decided that I would reach out and I would contact some of the other um, wildlife rehabilitation groups that were out there like Killer Animal Foundation and Bev from the Hogsprickling Clare and said to them, look, I, I can help you. You know, I'll take in some of your bats and mm-hmm. I've spent time in America in Luby Bat Conservation and I've been studying over there with them and I've had lots of opportunities to travel and study with bats. So they were all very happy to come on board. Um, and then this last year has just been crazy. It, I've had, to date, I've had almost 130 bats. Oh my goodness. And some of them are little babies that you have to feed every two hours. Um, it's bat, been a huge commitment, hasn't it? The bat pups were one of the most intense things I've ever done in my life. I've had six <laughs> of them here. Thankfully, 30 of them survived and were released. But my goodness, every two to two and a half hours, your feet, it's like a mini conveyor belt of these baby bats. They need to be toileted for the first couple of weeks. They need to be kept at a regular heat. They're super sensitive. Um, they will drink and drink and drink milk. So you have to make sure that you're constantly holding them, feeling their tummy, making sure that it doesn't get too extended because that can cause problems. I am so lucky and blessed that my family are so supportive. And I have two sons, 24 and 22, who also love wildlife and animals. And my partner, Tommy, who's amazing. And otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to do anything. Wow. And they're, they're tiny as well, aren't they, the little pups? And I saw on, your, um, on the little bit of footage from RT, you have them in little nets, like butterfly nets, kind of boxes. That's exactly it. So the butterfly nets are ideal. Um, they're easy to wash as well because it's very important you know, that they're kept clean. So you can um, put them into the washing machine. But they're ideal for them. Um, it gives them space to climb around. Um, they can use their thumbs. 
and nice and it's also um, it's easy for us like to put in lovely little nesting areas for them as well but the pups they need a lot of uh, heat so they have to have special brooders they don't thermoregulate themselves so it's important to keep them warm at all times so it's um there's a lot in it yeah there's a lot of expertise needed and you have your own little house built at the back of in the garden for them I did so we got a beautiful cabin um and it's uh like people have been so supportive you know we've my again my family my nephew Damien who's just oh he's just so good they all came and helped to paint it and people um gave us like the, the kitchen that went in the lady gave it to us so so cheap and you know it's it, everyone has been so nice they really have been so nice but it's it's beautiful and it has everything that I need in it to take care of them and all of my equipment and everything was donated like we had um microscope donated and brooders you know you know so it, it, it's amazing people mm. are just so so supportive and it was something that I was really worried about because obviously in a situation that we're in and all the misinformation that's out there about bats and surrounding yes. bats I thought you know am I going to deal with a lot of backlash for this or people but no I think being in the lockdown the first lockdown people you know, they they wanted to know more, so they were studying this, and they were, you know, they, they came to their own conclusions that the bats—they're not the villains here. You know, we need to stop cutting down our wild places and just putting these animals under pressure. And you know, if we don't, this, these things are going to continue to happen. So it's not the animals' fault. And I suppose I've had lots of people contact me to ask me questions about our, you know. Are they in danger because they have bats roosting in their homes or mm-hmm. you know, in their sheds? And I've always tried to comfort them and say that we've lived alongside them our whole lives, our entire lives, these little animals have been there. And the benefit of having them there is huge. You know, so it's... It, and people, I think when you explain to them like that, they, they, they were happy, you know, they mm-hmm. were very happy. Yeah, it's, it's such a wonderful story. And to get a bit of good press for the bats who um, the poor old fruit bat was blamed for the coronavirus. So we still don't know if that's where it came from. Um, and now in Ireland, we're just going into lockdown again tomorrow evening, um, just before the Halloween bank holiday. So people really have become interested in nature. And it's wonderful to hear such a positive story and such good press for the bats. And um, you were saying on on the TV about they control the insects and they eat so many insects. And um, do you want to tell us a little bit about the species that are around Ireland or what were the first species that you noticed in your back garden? So the first species that I noticed in my back garden would be the pipistrelle. And that's the one that we would all be, um, we would all have living around our houses. The pipistrelle is the bat that you'd see frantically flying really fast and tight manoeuvres uh, around the street lights or around the lights at the front of our house. Um, in Ireland, we have nine species of bat. So we're ranging from the smallest being the soprano pipistrelle. And it's the name soprano because it has the highest frequency uh, on your echolocation. And the soprano pipistrelle weighs between five and six grams. So wow. extremely tiny. Tiny. The largest, the largest one then we, that we have is, is Lyser's bat. And Lyser's bat can range from about 14 to 16 grams, but I've, I've, I've had them go up to 18 grams, so 
much yeah. different. But they're all in insectivore species. So they all feed on insects. And insectivore species are a very important part of um, your ecosystem because, as you said, they control the insect population. And this saves the farming communities billions of euro every year all over the world Mm -hmm. because it reduces the amount of pesticides that need to be used when they're growing their crops. And this also means that there's less chemicals going into our food chain. Yeah, so we really should be protecting the bats and investing in the bats rather than being slightly afraid of them just because they're in the night time and we don't hang out with them that much. So people aren't really familiar with them. Um, do you want to tell us about the bat detector and, and how you determine which species it is from the detector? So the bat detector, um, the hydrogen detector, so what it does is it allows us to pick up or to eavesdrop on, on the different species. Each species um, echolocates at a different level. So you could start down low, like 18 to 20 on your bat detector would be the Leisler's bat, whereas up the highest then going up to 115 to 120 would be the lesser horseshoe bat. Um, if you're really interested in getting uh, involved in uh, bat conservation or just something that you want to enjoy in your own garden, you can pick up a bat detector. You can buy them online. You can get reasonable ones. They don't have to be, you don't have to go for the most expensive type. They're really for people that are getting more involved in surveys. And when you buy your bat detector, you can go online and you'll be able to find uh, a list that will give you all of the frequencies and tell you exactly what you do. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's a great way to spend time with your family as well. Kids love it. Yeah. Kids the yeah, we got the back detector a few years ago and it is really easy. Um, I literally just stepped outside the back door and turned it on and the next thing, I don't know if it even, does it attract bats? Because there were suddenly about 50 bats around me. Um, but it was Pipistrel and it's so easy. You just turn it on and then see which frequency it is. And that's the particular bat. So really handy. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And I think you probably answered the question, do you feel spiritually connected to nature? But is there any special experience you'd like to talk about? Well, I do. I, I, I really do feel um, very connected to nature and I always have done. Um, I, I worked with Birds of Prey. I, I mentioned I've been a falcon mm-hmm. for many, many years. And um, I, I worked and trained eagles for display purpose as well um one of the most spiritual i think connections that i've ever had was with uh, an injured bird of prey that came in it was a buzzard and the buzzard came in that had a broken wing and um it had a broken wing and it had uh what's called um canker which is an infection in in the mouth and goes down into the throat um it was very young and it had it was close to starvation and we brought it to the vet and the vet didn't have much hope for it. Um, but we were determined that we were going to bring him home and, and give him a chance, you know. Mm-hmm. And it took weeks and weeks for this bird, um, hand feeding, force feeding him. And um, my sons were involved in it as well. And I just remember spending time with the bird. We'd sit there at night just hoping that he would be okay. And it gave me a different perspective on raptors 
because mm-hmm. I have worked with Raptors my whole life, I've always felt a, a, a connection to it. But as he started to recover and when we brought him back to be released, I always just remember that feeling of how calm he was when we took him out of the carrier and just that beautiful feeling to see him in the sky free. Wow. It was just a lovely experience for us, you know. So I, I, I really do. I feel a great connection to um, to Raptors. Yeah, that's so a beautiful story. And then, I know there are buzzards in Ireland, but actually lately we have been able to take a picture of one sitting in our field, which, I mean, they may have been here before, but we hadn't noticed them. And a couple of other people have said that they've seen the buzzard um, in Kilcolligan and around here. Um, so are they common or are they getting more no, popular? There are. They actually, they're, they've made an amazing return. So the buzzard um, in the last 15, 20 years uh, can now be found in every county in Ireland. Whereas they weren't, they were mostly found up around parts of the north and then coming down into Dublin. So they have, they've made a huge comeback. Yeah, because um, they haven't really been seen around here or where else we haven't noticed them before. And all of a sudden there's loads of sightings. So that's very good news. Yeah, and the buzzard is a great bird to have around because it feeds on carrion. So okay. it hunts So it will take small mammals and birds, but it also does feed on carrion. So it's, it has another purpose and that's make sure that can, yeah keep, keep keep clean cleaning up the roads <laughs> yeah. so yeah well you've an absolute you've a wonderful story and i know you're a nature lover so do you have did you think about any actions that you'd like to suggest to people that they could do to support nature or maybe something they could do during the lockdown that might be good well a light, coming into the winter now um I, you know we still need to support the wildlife, especially the birds. I mean, the birds, they're going to need to have feeders out there and they're going to have to have water out there too. But also to think about coming into the spring again and maybe in your garden, just leaving a wild area. People often ask me, how can they encourage bats into their garden? But the secret to encourage bats into your garden is to encourage insect life into your garden because that's what they feed on. Mm -hmm. And by leaving a wild area, you're providing the, the wildflowers that the, the moths, the butterflies will come in, the insects are going to come in. By having like a small pond, even just a small wet area, it's a habitat for insects to come in and breed in, which mm-hmm. again is going to draw the bats in. So that's a nice, just to plan out parts of your garden. Starting a little bug hotel is another good one to start, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they're all very important. And you'd be very surprised what, what will appear in your garden once you start encouraging nature in. Oh, that's a lovely idea. Um, we, well, we have lots of bats here. I think they're mostly pipistrelle. But with the Gloss um, project, it's, the, it's one of the farm supports, GLAS. Uh, yeah. About five years ago, we had to put up five bat boxes. And I kind of ignored them because I thought, well, the bats are living here anyway. They know they're not going to move into the boxes. But they actually have. I was looking at a couple of them the other day and there's definitely signs that they've been in there. So I'm not sure. Do you recommend putting up bat boxes? Definitely. Definitely. It's a great way to support the bats. Uh, And you'll find that coming into the winter as well, um, you'll get some bats, especially around October. Certain species um, of bat, like the whiskered bat, I'll get a lot of calls in around October that these bats, the males will often be found roosting alone. Mm-hmm. And they, they're they found quite often in the bat boxes. 
But in the winter as well, you know, they'll need that support just to have those, especially because people are, a lot of people now cutting down old trees or blocking yeah. up old buildings or knocking down old buildings, you know, and the, the bats are needing, they're needing someplace to roost in. Yeah, that's, that. it's, that's the trouble about everybody tidying everything up and then there's nowhere for the animals to go <laughs> but we have a very tidy garden which we think looks nice but it actually we need to leave a little bit of space um and it reminds me of a story i was told yesterday actually the forgotten horses who work out of kimvara rescuing horses a couple of years ago had to um take a few mares off a flooded field so they were you know abandoned on an island and they had to swim them off but when one of the mares came got it back into onto land a tiny little mouse was in its mane oh my <laughs> because there was wow. no there was nowhere else on the piece of land for it to go so it had it was a shrew actually it had got up onto the horse and made a tiny little nest in the horse's mane <laughs> it was the only place to go so it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah very sweet they got a little bit of video of yeah. it yeah so that was lovely Beautiful. Um, do you have an inspiring nature book you'd like to recommend to people? Well, I suppose it was this a special book to me. Um, would have been a book called Ireland's Wild Countryside by Eamon de Butner. Okay. And this book, when I was very young, I remember well before this book um, was even published, my parents taking me, I must have been about six or seven, to O'Donoghue's Bar in Fenor um, during the day because Eamon de Butler had had made a, a short film about the burn and they were going to show it there and he was going to ask some questions. And me being an actor lover, I was really, really, even at that age, so excited to go and watch this film. So I just remember listening to him speak and talking about the landscape and how diverse it was in the burn and the unique wildflowers that grow in the cracks in limestone and the seabirds along the cliffs and just being in awe and just thinking I want to do what this man does you know this is what I want to do when I'm older I remember asking him loads of questions I'd say he was probably thinking who has this child at the front of the hall but you know and um, then I remember being it must have been 12 or 13 at the time uh, that it was it was included in my Christmas presents, the book. And the book itself was all about um, the, the different landscape and how diverse it is across Ireland and how it's unique in every corner. So you have like, the limestone of the burn and then like the lakes of Killarney and the lush forests and then how barren Connemara is up in the mountains. And it's just a book that always stuck with me because it was something that I had under my bed and I'd often read it and look at the picture and just, I loved it. So it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful book. Beautiful well, book. That's a brilliant one to recommend. And it's lovely to have met such a wonderful role model as well when you were that yeah. age. That was very special. Yeah. Very and special. It, very special. Um, and if you had a magic wand and you could do something for the planet, what would you do, Susan? I would stop intensive farming. That was what I would do. Intensive farming, I think we we wouldn't be in the situation that we are today if it wasn't, you know, just cutting down all of these wild areas for producing food that is going to the wrong places and the wrong people. And, you know, I think people, we need to live more locally and sustainably. 
And, you know, I think by helping and supporting local farmers and living with the season, eating with the seasons, I think we'd just be much more healthy, you know, living from the, the local ground. I think, um, yeah, it would be, it would be to stop just this, like, over, over farming and over consumption. I, think. I totally agree, Susan. I really yeah. do. I even sent an email today to one of the European ministers about the common agricultural policy. They're, they're voting on it. Um, and really, farmers would be happy to be paid to look after nature. So just pay them to do that. You know, stop paying them to overproduce because they don't, they don't care as long as they have a living and they can survive. Um, they'll be happy. They're doing something that they love. They're doing yes. something that they love. It's been it's, for most. It's in their blood, you know. So it's they wouldn't know they wouldn't know what else to do. So I think by just supporting Ireland and supporting what we produce, you know, is going to it's really it'll it'll change it'll change the way that we live. But it's also people talk about protecting nature and protecting animals so that the future generations can see these beautiful creatures. But you need to support them because they're an important part of the ecosystem it doesn't work without them so mm. it's not just so people can be you know when they see them in years to come it's knowing that they that what function they have and how you know it doesn't work without them so no. that's why we should be protecting them yeah and we're protecting ourselves as humans by we're doing that ourselves. yeah that's yeah, what that's what people don't really get yet no. some, some people do um, I, well, look, Susan, thank you so much. I know you had to drive out because we've got lockdown looming now and you had to go and find a hotspot. So <laughs> thank you so much for taking the interview. I was so excited when I saw you on the TV with your back hospital. It's so inspiring and a wonderful story. So well done. Thank you so much for doing that for the bats. Um, thank you so much for having me and giving me an opportunity to, to talk about it. I, I, I think it's, it's just amazing because... My, my by my own story I've managed to catch interest in people and the real purpose of it all is to get people more interested and supportive of bats and that's what it's doing so you know it uh, yeah so it's 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 wonderful like on the bass for for more positive feedback and I thank you again for for asking me to come on oh you're so welcome and uh, we do um little quizzes every year at Halloween and Christmas or nature quizzes for the kids to go around and find, find the answer and we've done the bat quiz a couple of times at Halloween but the bat quiz is always great because there's so many interesting facts about bats <laughs> really they I mean they're very interesting so um, and it's Halloween night so very suitable subject to talk about but I really just wanted to say well done with the Bat Hospital it's a brilliant project and hopefully everybody do you want to tell everybody how they can connect with um, the Bat Rehabilitation and where they can find you or support you so um, you can find us on Facebook um, uh, it's Bat Rehabilitation Ireland if you have a question about a bat if you are concerned about bats that are living around your house um, we're, I'm always here to answer any questions or point you in the right direction of who can, who can help you. Um, and definitely if you have an injured bat or you find one, please contact me. Um, I'd be so happy if you did, but yeah, we're always there. I'm always there. Any questions at all, I'll answer them. So you can brilliant. message me there. Brilliant. Brilliant. I'll put the links in the show notes as well. And hopefully when the six weeks of lockdown is over, you might come over towards Kimbara and have a cup of coffee. 
I would love to. <laughs> and the distanced <laughs> cup of coffee. Yeah, definitely going to do that. 100%. Yeah. Well, good luck with the lockdown and with the bats. And thanks so much for talking to everybody today, Susan. Thank you and stay safe. And you. Thank you for listening to Nature Magic. It's exciting to see the listenership grow. This month, the podcast listed in the charts in Australia for the first time. Please check out the show notes to see how you can contact the wonderful Susan Cowan and find out more about the Bat Hospital. Borough Nature Sanctuary is now closed because of the COVID-19 second lockdown in Ireland, which starts tomorrow, Wednesday, the 21st of October, 2020. In other news, our grant application to Portra Island is now available to view. Check out our Facebook and Instagram for the link. All feedback is welcome. The large project, Islands Eden, a home for Ireland's native biodiversity, reached stage three of the Platforms for Growth grant fund for innovative tourism proposals. It includes a complete revamp of our nature sanctuary that will transform it into a beautiful state-of-the-art nature center with three exhibit domes to house a native collection and inspire people to conserve our biodiversity. We still need match funding of 25%, so if anyone has contacts that might be interested, please send them our way. And keep our online shop in mind for your gift buying this Christmas. Thank you very much.